Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, I'm super, super excited. It is Pentecost Sunday. If you don't know what that means after this message, you will know what that means. And so, so the, the topic or, or the, the title of this message today is the power of Pentecost because on the day of Pentecost, there was power that was released across the face of the earth. It was a life-altering experience, not just for the disciples, but for you and I. God knew that what was going to happen in that moment was going to continue throughout our lifetime and be made available to each of us. So today's Pentecost Sunday, which commemorates and celebrates the receiving of the Holy Spirit by the early, by the early church. Now, you may say, why is that a big deal? Because that's where it all started. So Pentecost is always celebrated 50 days following Resurrection Sunday. So if we go back to Easter or Resurrection Sunday, we are 50 days later today. So that was when God poured out his spirit and he did all of these amazing things. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, are the two greatest gifts that God ever gave us. Right? Because we talk about the blood of Jesus and the cross and the forgiveness and the healing and all of those things. But how many of you know that Jesus would have never resurrected from the dead without the power of the Holy Spirit bringing him back to life? Right? We try to sometimes, we, we know God, we know Jesus, but sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we get a little wigged out because we just can't really put our finger on how does the Holy Spirit work? Where does he fall in the picture of everything going on? And um, understand when we talk about the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, same nature, same heart, same goals, same mission. But the Holy Spirit was the enabler. He was the one that released power in the lives of the believers here on the earth in this moment at this time. Okay? So Jesus completed his work. But this morning, I want to take time to make sure that um, when we talk about the day of Pentecost, that it's not just something that we reserve for the early church, but we understand that that was the initial outpouring, but it is also available to you and I today. That's the whole heart behind it. It's not to be like, man, that was cool. Don't really understand it. I believe it. But the whole point was that we would be, get, we would be able to experience the same good things that the disciples in that initial outpouring received on that day of Pentecost. John 16, 7. Now, b- before I get into these scriptures, write them down fast. There is going to be a bunch of scripture because I want scripture to map out where we go this morning. I could talk about it. I could tell you about it, but we're going to look in the scripture of every, not everything, but we're, it's going to be the framework for all of our focus this morning. So John 16, 7, it says, but, but very truly, I tell you, it is good that I go away. This was Jesus speaking here, talking to his disciples. He said, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This was implying and this was in reference to the Holy Spirit. So we see Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He says that it is better that I go away. Now, I understand this was super challenging for the disciples. 
right? So it, it can be the same concept that we have the Holy Spirit that is our guide, that is our advocate, that is our helper. Uh, we thank God for people with flesh on that God uses to impact. But can you imagine the disciples that they were distraught, the anxious fear that rose up when they realized that Jesus in his physical, tangible presence was no longer going to be there, but he says, hey, it's going to be okay. It's better that I go away. How many of you had said, it's not better that you go away? I want you here. And, and, and a lot of times we want to grab a hold of, of what we have now. But if we grab a hold of what we have now, what would have happened? They would have missed the promise that was going to be better. But Jesus knew that. He knew that the best was yet to come. That if he goes to the Father, he would send the advocate to us. He would send the helper. So Jesus reassures the disciples, it is good that I'm going away. Jesus knew that if he went away, he could send the Holy Spirit, not only to the disciples, but to you and I also. So Jesus said it is better. And if he said it was better, guess what? It's better. In our finite minds, we think, I don't know, man. Like, I know you say it's good, but it doesn't feel real good right now. But God knew, Jesus knew that it was going to be better. And it was really the master plan all along. You know, I often think about why did it take so long for the Holy Spirit to be poured out and to come and the promise and all of those things. But the Holy Spirit would help us during our time here. So this morning, I want to look at three areas to help us better understand the significance of Pentecost. So I want to look at first the promise of Pentecost. Then we want to look at the power of Pentecost. And then we want to look at the purpose of Pentecost. So we have to understand that everything God promises, guess what? He will accomplish it. He will do it. God does not break his promises. So therefore, guess what? Jesus does not break his promise. Whatever he says is going to happen is going to come to pass in our lives. So let's roll back a little bit to Joel 2, 28 through 29. Like I said, write these down. We're going to move fast. So this was an Old Testament prophecy about the day of Pentecost that was going to come in verse 28 of Joel 2. It says, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Can you say all people? I want you to get that in your mind. This is not just exclusive for the few that God's heart, even when he poured, when he sent Jesus, who did he die for? All people. So the same thing, he was going to pour out his spirit on all people. It says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. So they got the sons, they got the daughters, they even got the old men. Got them all covered. And it says, your young men will see visions, verse 29, even on my servants, both men and women, those who maybe seem insignificant or if you feel insignificant, has you covered also. It says, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Dot, 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 chapter of Joel. And then they wait for the unraveling of the promise. We go to John 14, 26. It says, but when the advocate, the Holy Spirit comes... Whom the Father will send in my name, that's Jesus right there again, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So understand, this is still pre-day of Pentecost. This is Jesus promising it now. Okay? But God promised the, the coming day of Pentecost. Jesus promised the coming day of the Holy Spirit. So which is the day of Pentecost which we're going to talk about? So let's look at two passages following Jesus' death before the return to his father, okay? So we're looking at the promise of Pentecost. So we, we understand that 
There was a moment before Jesus left, and then there was a moment of conversation even after Jesus raised from the dead where he spent time with the disciples roughly about 40 days before he returned to the Father. That's kind of cool, right? Sometimes we miss, miss that. Sometimes we think he died on the cross, he got up, and he just took off right back. But there was actually time where he continued to reveal himself through miracles, signs, and wonders and continued to reiterate the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of Pentecost, okay? So when we look at Luke 24, 45 through 53, it says, Jesus appeared to the disciples and told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. How many of you like waiting? God is a God of the wait. In those moments of waiting, we will see and accomplish great things. But it says, wait. It says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and die. Um, sorry, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. Verse 49 I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So we see that he communicates the promise. He says, Wait in the city until what? You have been clothed with what? Power. So we want to look at all of these action words. If we're really, really going to understand the role of the Holy Spirit when he says the advocate, that means he's going to stand as your, you know, going to communicate all of the things he's going to bring to your remembrance, all of the things that I have spoken. Um, you know, wait till you have been clothed with power. Like all of these things, when we, when we understand who is the Holy Spirit, what is he all about? We have to pay attention to these action words. He is one that's going to bring to your remembrance all the things that God has said. He is the promise which is to come and is available to you and I. And it's going to release power. When we look at Mark 16, 17 through 18, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe in me. Now understand, he's, st he's still talking. This, this is pre-cross. Pre he says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. Amen. This is a pretty exhaustive list. You're like, oh man, how do I do that? None of this happens absent of the Holy Spirit's power in your life. There's going to be a change. There's going to be a promise. When the power comes, the gifts, the signs, the wonders, all of the things are given. It's like Christian on steroids. It expedites the power, the process, and it just changes the situation. This was the promise that came. So let's move to Acts 1, 3 through 5. In verse 3, it says, After his suffering, so we know this is after the cross, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. So what did he do? He showed his hands to the disciples. He spontaneously just showed up. Well, how in the world did he do that? When Jesus raised from the dead, he was no longer stuck to a physical body, but he could be physical. He could be spiritual. He could show up and he could vanish. He could do all kinds of stuff. He was no longer stuck to an earthly body. He had a supernatural spiritual body, right? But yet he bore scars on his hands and his feet. They could tangibly be seen, so we see a restoration of his body, a healing of his body, but yet it's still marked. 
the marks of the cross, but he showed up. He gave many convincing proofs of saying that he was alive, that he wasn't dead. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse four, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Once again, we're waiting. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8. But, but you will. Can you say that? Say, I will. You will. We will. That's all of us. You will receive, what's the word again? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then after that, it says that Jesus was taken up before them and two men in white angels were, were there standing next to him. In, uh, in, in, in Acts 1.11, it says, this, is the, this same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the disciples were standing there looking up into heaven, waiting. That's not the waiting he was talking about. Because at that point, he had returned to his father and he was going to be at his right hand and then he could send the promise of the Holy Spirit. Right? And he says, don't sit there, don't wait. The same way that he ascended is the same way that he's going to descend. Um, tell you what, when Jesus comes back, we will all know it. It's not going to be like, huh, I think he's back. No, it's not, that's not what's going to happen. The trumpet will blast. Everyone will know. You're not, so do not be deceived. You know, we, we hear a lot of scripture about that. Do not be deceived if someone proclaims that they're the Christ. If you didn't see him come with blazing glory flying down from heaven, coming back the same way that he left, don't put your faith and your confidence in that. All right? Got me? So we, we see this that he said he's going to come back. So... Um, how many of you right now, if we don't move any further, you would be convinced of the promise of Pentecost based on what we've already read? He says, wait, expect, power's going to come. Don't leave until you're filled with power. Right? He says, just wait. So on the day of Pentecost was the day where God was released through the Holy Spirit. Now, um, can I just pause here just for a moment? Because it's going to get a little more radical for you conservative Christians this morning because we're going to unpack what the scripture says happened at Pentecost, what it looked like, what we should expect. And if the Bible supports it, we need to kind of embrace it. Amen. We can't be like, I don't know about that stuff when the Bible says it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's for me. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, let me just tell you, like when we talk about tongues or we talk about prophecy, we talk about all these supernatural gifts. Um, a lot of people get really, really wigged out. And I heard an illustration one time um, that the lady said, well, you know, getting the Holy Spirit, you know, receiving the Holy Spirit is a lot like getting a pair of tennis shoes. Sometimes the tongue just comes with it. You can't get it uninstalled. Now we have to understand that it's there. Now we have to understand that that, that that is a gift that the Holy Spirit enables in front of, out of you. It's not just something you conjure up and you do on your own, which we'll see that in just a minute. But when we have the promise, it doesn't just stop at the promise, but it moves into the power of Pentecost. You guys ready to keep going? It really, really gets exciting. I've been super excited about this message this morning because I think some of you this morning are going to get it like you've never got it and you're going to leave completely changed and full of power before you leave this building. 
Okay? So the power of Pentecost. So this is being released for the first time, and now it is available to us. So Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came. So there has been this waiting. How many of you hate waiting? And then when the day comes, you're super pumped about it. This is the day that they had been waiting for. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that were separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you say all of them? them. Were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you say Spirit enabled? That doesn't mean you just start talking. That means that's something that the Spirit of God releases in front of, inside of you. And it says it's, it's separated on them as tongues of fire. So let me quickly summarize like verses 5 through 13. So many people heard them declaring the praises of God in their own tongue. Now understand what happened here. They were speaking a language that they did not know. But yet the other people, there were many, many people present from many different backgrounds, many different languages. But yet when they were filled with the Spirit, they began to speak in an unknown tongue. They didn't know it, but it was enabled by the Holy Spirit. And the bystanders heard them declaring the praises of God in their own tongue. Right? So think about it. You just start speaking Mandarin or you start speaking Chinese or you start speaking Spanish if you're a white guy that only knows English, right? Whatever, whatever it may be, you're speaking something you don't know, but there were others. And here was the accusation against them in verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and they said, wow, these guys have had too much to drink. Now, I'll tell you what, if I'm drunk and I'm speaking in an unknown language, that's some pretty good liquid. I'm just saying, because that's not the byproduct I usually see of being drunk, but they connected the two, and that was the only way they could rationalize what was happening. But this was no more and no less than the power of God being released on the day of Pentecost, accomplishing the purpose for which God had foreseen it long ago. Right? We can't, we can't say, well, it's not, it's not supposed to happen like that, or it's not supposed to be that radical. It's pretty radical. Right? Now, I'm not saying we're a Pentecostal church, but I see how you can kind of begin to be some Pentecostal. Because on the day of Pentecost, I'm sure there were some people that got a little excited. So we equate Pentecost or Pentecostal churches to what? The kind of out there kind of church, right? Well, I'll tell you what, when the day of Pentecost hits, you're not going to be as conservative as you once were. There has to be change. There has to be a little bit of radicalness of just, man, you know, just the excitement of realizing the day showed up. I remember as a child, I used to love Christmas morning. I would sit in my bed trying to make myself go to sleep so excited about the morning that I would wake up and whatever gifts, whatever it was that was going to show up, that they would be there. And just like this day showed up and the gift of promise was there. Can you imagine the excitement the astonishment. I think the disciples understood, but the people looked on and said, what in the world is going on? So then we continue in verse 14 of that same chapter. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen careful to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. 
No, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on the servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. We move to verse 24. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We keep going down. Verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. And then he begins to map out how did this happen. Verse 33, he was exalted to the right hand of God, which means he sat next to God on his right hand. He has received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he has poured out what you now see and hear. Now let me challenge you just a little bit. To see something and to hear something is completely different than for me to just to stand here and be like, okay, I received today. Did you see something and did you hear something? It was a little more radical than just packaged in a bow, nice and neat and orderly. There was evidence of the receiving and the power of the Holy Spirit being released. Now, I would say you will know when you have received the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to explain it except full of power. Uh, uh, convincing truth that happens in the life of the believer where you're like, man, I was saved, but I don't know. When this happened, I know I was really saved. It completely, you know, it's just like, it's like touching a skillet and it's like, wow, that was hot versus being thrown in the bucket with the boiling water and you know it's affecting every variable of your life. And it just continues to change and to, to just surge all around you and all of these things. And there is a catastrophic change in your life. But it says that they could now see and hear. So now, in my opinion, you know, when you see or you hear something, that is pretty convincing evidence, in my opinion. Like there was no doubt. Oh, I don't really know. No. Uh-huh. I don't know, but I know something happened, right? That, that's what happens in a situation like that. Verse 38 and 39, same chapter. Peter replies, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off for whom the Lord our God will call. Praise God for that because that will call was us because we weren't there at the day of Pentecost, but yet we are beneficiaries of this same gift today. Because God knew that he would call us, that he would bring us into his family. And the same gift of, of, of the Pentecost power, the power of Pentecost that was released, is available to you and I. It's available to all of us because it was promised. God said, from this moment on, it's available to all of my sons and daughters. So we see the promise of Pentecost. We see the power of Pentecost. Now, what is the point of all of it if we don't understand the purpose of Pentecost? We could sit here and be like, man, it's great, praise God, and we do nothing with it except self-indulge. But that was not the goal of Pentecost. It wasn't just to keep it to themselves. It was the catalyst that really pushed the Christian faith into our door, into our nation of the world. That really caused the gospel to go forth and many, many, many people to come to the knowledge of Jesus. So we look at the purpose of Pentecost. So the whole purpose of Pentecost is understanding that we have personal access to the Holy Spirit and we can live lives in the fullness of his power. 
fullness. Like that means there's nothing, no room for anything else. I think a lot of times the contaminants of this world stay there because we have not yet been filled up with the, with the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God is filling every crook and cranny and crevice of my life, there is no room for anything else to stay. And if there's something there, it kind of washes it out. Gets rid of it, right? It just gives us the power to change. It gives us the ability to do supernatural things because the Spirit of God is supernatural. Right? You've watched all, you've watched all them crazy movies. When you're possessed by something, it causes you to do all kinds of crazy things. Kind of that same idea, let's put it in the nutshell of the scripture, and that the Holy Spirit enables us to do amazing, powerful exploits. It's not me. It's the Spirit of God in me. It's the power of God being released in and through my life. So the purpose of Pentecost. Um, now, if we look at the, at the roadmap, now I let the scholars figure this out because I, my mind is not that sophisticated. Um, but we see eight years down the road from Pentecost in, in Samaria that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Eight years following. Then there's another occurrence, 10 years we see Cornelius and his whole household come to the knowledge of Jesus. You know, baptism of the Holy Spirit got prayed for. But I want us to pick up roughly 20 years following in Acts 19, 1 through 7. So this is when Apollos was at Corinth and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So this is what happened. Look at this story. Because I feel like uh, this morning, maybe some of you are going to be at this same place. I think that's why God really led me to this. Because he asked the family that he is ministering to a very critical question. Let's, unf let's unfold this passage and see what it says. It says, Therefore he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now they answered him. They said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Let me pause there just for a moment. Some of you today, you say, well, I know about Jesus. I know about the blood. I know about the forgiveness. This Holy Spirit thing, I got bait and switched this morning. I didn't know nothing about it. I was trying to stay away from it. But let me tell you what. You cannot come to the place of salvation in your life without the work of the Holy Spirit drawing your heart. So if you call yourself saved, the Holy Spirit has already been kind of all in your business. He's been working undercover, but he wants to come uncover in your life and begin to work and move and re really be released in your life. Right? How many of you ever seen those old jack-in-the-box where you just spin them, spin them, spin them? You got to put a little bit of work. But what happens when that joker comes out? It scares you and everybody else around you a little bit, right? But it comes to life. So the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Wants to be released from us, but maybe this morning some of you say, I don't know nothing about this Holy Spirit. This is all new news to me. Well, guess what? Let's look at the rest of this. It says, they answered him, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul continues to ask, so then what baptism did you receive? Verse 3, John's baptism, they, re they re replied. So Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus Verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it wasn't John's baptism anymore, but it was the, the, a baptism of Jesus. Um, where they say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, bap, bap, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then verse 6 says, when Paul placed his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And then verse 7, it says, there were about 12 men in all. So what was the signs? What were the wonders? What was the evidence of that it happened? They spoke in tongues. 
they prophesied. And then there's one more detail in there that I think God wants us to catch. It says that there was 12 in all. Now, we can assume, did five of the 12 receive? Did two of the 12 receive? Or did all 12 receive? I think what God wants us to know that when he says all, he means all. When the Holy Spirit is, is invading your life, you can come to the same saving power, the same saving grace. Um, now understand that if these guys would have died prior to the testimony of Paul coming to them, they would have been, they would have made it into heaven. But what happened in this moment, it changed the situation where life was going to be better after this encounter. It was the missing ingredient, right? You know, when we, when we cook something and we put in all the special sauce and the flavoring and the injections and all of these things, and we turn something that was really bland, not saying that the gospel is bland, but stick with me in this example. But when we add all that flavoring, that's what brings it to life. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He adds all this extra dimensional living that he promised in his word. Signs and miracles, wonders, powers, supernatural faith, remembering what Jesus has said, bringing all of these things to my remembrance. But it says they spoke in tongues, they prophesied. There was about 12 of them in all. Now, if you're here this morning and you said, man, I, I'm, I guess I'm like those disciples. I've never heard about this Holy Spirit. Today is your day to hear about it. God wants you to be made aware of his Holy Spirit. Um, let me give you a quick testimony. I, I was going to say this to the end, but I think it's the right time. Man, I grew up in the church where we would talk about the Holy Spirit, but we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit. We would just say, and then the Holy Spirit, da 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 and we would keep on moving. But like, I had no understanding who the Holy Spirit was or the magnitude of who the Holy Spirit was in the life of the believer. And like, it was once I found out and I started reading this, I, I started saying, why did no one tell me about all this stuff? This is the cool superhero stuff that I've been waiting for. The cross is cool. The blood is great. This Holy Spirit is a little bit off the chain, and I want some of that. I remember thinking that. I was like, why? Hold on. How come we're not talking about this? You know why we don't talk about it? Because it's like, it's like a wild card. We can't contain it. We can't put it in a box. We can't really understand it. But that doesn't mean we should avoid it at all costs and run from it. But that's why it's so dangerous. Because it's like, well, well how are we going to control it? The Holy Spirit was never intended to be controlled. The Holy Spirit was intended to be released through the believer for all of us so that it could benefit us, it could benefit the world, and it could be the catalyst that would reach the nations of the world. Amen. It's a wild card. That's why a lot of people say, and then the Holy Spirit, and let's keep going, and let's talk about something else. Like, it's really hard. Like, I mean, I was, I was talking to my wife. You, you guys have seen just the, uh, the party poppers. You, you hold them and you pull the string. Trying to talk about the Holy Spirit is like getting one of those party poppers and just kind of trying to open the edge of it. You know what happens when you open the edge? Everything comes out. You can't just have one facet of the Holy Spirit and be like, oh, I got it now. And the moment we think we got it, it's like, oh, I have just begun to realize the depths of what the Holy Spirit wants to do, what he can do. If anything, we're going to live our lives catching up to what he wants to do in and through us. Right? But for those who place their trust and their confidence in him and choose to release the Holy Spirit in your life today, you will begin to see the signs, the wonders, the miracles be flowed through you as the believer.
right? This is what we want. You know, like, this is what, what makes Christianity worth dying for. This is some cool stuff. Because guess what? This really, really begins to help life problems. What happens when I have sickness in my body? What well, says that you will lay hands on the sick and they will be made well? Now, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is the, is the greatest key and the greatest asset to help. I'm not saying that God doesn't use doctors. I thank God for doctors. But guess what? God wants to use the Holy Spirit too. Because when the Holy Spirit releases a miracle in the life of someone, do you know what it does? It glorifies God. It promotes faith and it expands the gospel. That's the whole point. It's not to be like, hey, check this out. Well, that's cool. What's the point? I don't know. No, the point is that it glorifies God, that it stirs our faith. You know, some people will not come to the gospel of Jesus without seeing a sign and wonder first. There was many people that were around Jesus and they came to the knowledge of Jesus because of the signs and wonders. Right? Man, I was doing good on my clock. I better get back to these notes or we're going to mess up the clock. Man. God really, really wants you to just release. And, and Becky and I, we've learned, you know, it's not... Uh, that's that, we feel like that is the best word to help you understand. You want to just release the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you're already a believer, it's inside. You just got to release it to come out. Yep. Right? The example that we often use, it's kind of like a house that has been wired. You put all the wiring, you know. So if I go outside and I kill the breaker box, what's going to happen to all of the lights in here? It's going to cut off, right? That doesn't mean the wiring's not here. But the moment that the power source is engaged, everything begins to work like it's supposed to. It's already there. All of it's there. But you have to connect. You have to turn on that switch, allow the Holy Spirit to be released, and then you just kind of let them flow out of you. You have to allow him to do what only he can do. But at this day of Pentecost, this day of promise, it was so, not just for myself, but for others. Remember Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. This was the point, that we may share the gospel across the nations of the world. It's not for me to bottle up and keep this hidden secret, but it is to take this and also transfer it to others. Do you understand when Paul laid his hands on those, Paul was transferring something he had. Yep. It wasn't like, I don't know about this Holy Spirit and I don't have the Holy Spirit and I'm just going to pray my, I'm going to put my hands on you. There was a transference of the Holy Spirit that was in Paul that was transferred to those disciples. Now, initially it was downloaded from the cloud. <laughs> Came down. Once they had it, they could take it and now transfer it to people. Every single time we see the laying on of hands, hey, well, let me, they prayed for him and they released the Holy Spirit in their life. You will receive power. But today, the Holy Spirit is available to you right now. When we look at that word power, for all of you scholars in here, I'd like to learn a little bit more. So that word power, the Greek word there is dunamis. Now, the word dunamis in the English word is where we derive our word dynamite from. Can you package dynamite in a nice little bow? Or when you light that joker, does it mess up all kinds of things around it, right? That's the kind of power that we're talking about. But power in what? Power in action to perform miracles. A divine ability, mighty works, miracle energy, a supernatural force. So the Holy Spirit uh, was at work in Jesus' ministry, but he is now available and wants to work in you and I. 
The same authority that Jesus had, he gave to us through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. He went to heaven, he sat at the right hand of God, and he said, Dad, hook them up with the same power I had. And because that, that gap was closed because of Jesus, it has been sent to us to where we have it available to you and I. That's why Jesus said, it is going to be better if I go away. You know why? Because if Jesus is just with me, then he can't be with you. Or if he was just with you, he can't be with me. But where does the Spirit of God dwell? Man, inside of all of us? So what happens when the Spirit of God is inside of all of us and we really release the power of the Holy Spirit in all of us, all at the same time, all over the face of the earth? What happens? Radical things. And that was the whole point why he said it's going to be better. It's going to be bigger. You are not going to be able to, to slow this thing down because it is going to freight train and it's going to expedite the gospel to go forth. But when it talks about this Holy Spirit power, this is what the release of the power of the Holy Spirit looks like. It is the power to heal the sick. It is the power to cast out demons. It is the, it is the power to, to tap into supernatural miracles, to witness and win the lost. Not just telling about Jesus, but having that enablement to actually get them all the way to salvation. Right? Not just casual conversations. Uh, to preach the, the, God, the gospel boldly. To flow in supernatural gifts of the Spirit. So when we, when we receive and release the Holy Spirit, we get a power of boldness to witness well. Right? Now, I know we get caught up in the tongues. But what about the power? What about the boldness? What about the signs and wonders? If it just starts and stops with tongues, man, I am missing the whole point. But it's a part of it. The Bible talks about it being a part of it, so I don't want to discard that. But let's not just stop at tongues. Oh, I got the gift of tongues. I'm so excited. What are you doing with that gift of tongues? If it started and stopped there, to what glory is that? Your own? Right? It was bigger than that. But we're able to witness in a way that is effective. So when we witness well, it gives us the ability to, to give or to be evidence. It is furnishing evidential proof so one who demonstrates substantiates or verifies his testimony with the ex exhibition of evidence right just don't tell them about God show them about God but you can't do this if you're powerless you can't do this in your own strength you can't even do this on your best day that you accidentally didn't sin like, that's not going to be good enough hey, I didn't sin yesterday Ooh, God's great. That's not going to be enough. It's going to be so you're just going to have some good willpower, right? But the power of God being released, the boldness of God. It says Peter immediately stood up and he preached the word of God with boldness. Whole nother level, ladies and gentlemen. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can learn and know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter the person. God sees us all as vessels. But he wants to make the same deposit in all of us. But it takes cooperation. It takes a willingness. It takes an openness to ask and receive and just release that Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit releases the supernatural equipping power from heaven to empower the Christian for effective witness and work. So the Holy Spirit enables the Christian to build up his own spiritual life by having direct communion with God through the Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit, he opens the doorway. Hear this. The Holy Spirit opens the doorway to all of the supernatural spiritual gifts. We want to talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues, tongues with interpretation, um, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Nothing of those, none of those are going to happen within our own strength. It says those are the gifts of the what? Spirit. No spirit, no gift. Spirit, gift. You got it? Like you can't have one without the other. You want the gifts? You got to have the spirit. Okay? I want to I end real quick by giving you four reasons that God wants you to flow in his power. One thing that I have been convinced of is that every gift that God has given us, he has other people in mind. But in the process, it will radically change every dimension of your life. Man, I remember it was at youth camp, and uh, they were talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and people to my left were receiving it with evidence. I was seeing it, and I was like, Lord, I want that. And then I started judging them because I knew them. It's like, they don't deserve that. Why are they getting that, and I'm not getting that, and you know, all this fleshy stuff. But in the course of a few days, God used one of those individuals that I was judging to come place his hands on me and release the Holy Spirit in my life. I remember that moment. It was life altering. But that's not enough because I need to continually be filled. I can talk about that moment of where that first initial feeling and outpouring of his presence happened. But it's like drinking a gallon of water today. In a few days, guess what? You're still going to be thirsty. You may not die because you drank that gallon, but you're going to run out. But God wants to continually fill you. But if you have never really experienced, I'm telling you, you're going to know. This is like a whole nother level. I mean, but when we come to find Jesus, you know, our hearts are broken. Our, it's just a humility. It is a faith focused on God. But I would say the biggest difference between salvation and the Holy Spirit is, man, you just feel clean. You feel holy. You feel right. You feel close to God. The power. Something changes whole nother level over here when that Holy Spirit is released. So I just give you that today. I give you that opportunity. Four reasons God wants you to flow in his power. Number one, to show his great love and compassion in meeting the needs of suffering humanity. The sick, the lost, the possessed, the oppressed, the afflicted, and the hopeless. So to show that love and compassion. Number two, to evangelize the world and reach the unreached. There's very little of us in here right now. Number three, to destroy the works of the devil and to set people free from bondage, bondage and demonic forces. Set, set prisoners free, man. I got the key. Why would I not use the key to unlock the prison cells? God has given that to me. Number four, to build up spiritually, to strengthen and edify the church. I believe that if we operate like this, you can't build buildings enough to contain the rush of people seeking to find things like that. It's the greatest marketing strategy you will ever build. Allowing people to receive God and to leave changed. Can you stand up with me? Here's what I want. 
I want those of you who know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna broaden this beyond just our altar call ministry. First and foremost, I really would like you to be a member of Harvest Time Church, that's the first criteria. The secondly, you know that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this Pentecostal moment of where you have felt that power of God come into your life. Because I want help praying over people today that have yet not experienced that. Because if you have it, ladies and gentlemen, you can give it. Now, if you're scared out of your mind, you said, I've received it, but I've never given it to anybody. That was the whole point, is to impart that which you have received into others. So can I get, I mean, I need at least a dozen. Make a move, make a radical move. Come on, move quickly like your Holy Ghost field. Come on. Here's the other side of the coin. If something inside of you is stirring, you say, Pastor, I want this. I don't understand. You don't got to understand it. All you got to do is tap into it this morning, and God will work out all the rest of the details. You can spend the rest of your life figuring it out. But today it says that if us as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children... How much more will Father God give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask. So it's kind of the same rules as salvation. All you have to do is believe it, confess it, and ask for it. Same criteria. So if the gospel you received was absence of the Holy Spirit, today is your day that God wants to release a new measure of his goodness and release the Holy Spirit in full power. That doesn't mean that if you died right now, you're going to go to hell. But this is the key to fighting against hell until we make it to heaven. The Holy Spirit being released. So let me pray over you. If you know you already want to come on, come on. But I'm going to pray that you would be bold, that you would be courageous, and you would leave overwhelmingly satisfied this morning. So Lord, I thank you for each one this morning under the sound of my voice. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do. Father, I ask for a complete release of your power of your presence and father that according to our faith and our asking and our requesting that this morning that we would receive all of those good things father i thank you for pentecost sunday because on pentecost sunday you thought of us and lord you want to release that to your people Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.